Well, good morning, church. I want to begin on a very serious note to get us all uh, going, ready to go today. So I'm going to ask you a question. This is a deep, profound question uh, that has significance in your life. Of these two options, one 18-inch pizza or two 12-inch pizzas, if you had to order, you could only order one of the two, and you wanted to figure out how do you get the most pizzas, would it be one 18-inch pizza or two 12-inch pizzas? Now, I gotta clarify because someone haggled me at the last service, assuming the, the crust size is the same thickness on all of them. Okay, so for you guys, like, what about? No, no, it doesn't work, right? So now, by show of hands, if you think the one 18-inch pizza has more pizza, raise your hand. Okay, a few of you. If you think two 12-inch pizzas has more pizza, raise your hand. Okay, if you're playing along with us wherever you are, a lot more people on the second option, and you're all wrong. It is the one 18-inch pizza. Here's the math, write it down real fast. Uh, very complicated. I didn't do that math, if you're wondering, don't get impressed with me. Uh, but that's explaining how that is actually more pizza. Now here's the deal, I don't know about you, but uh, I see this and I'm like, that doesn't make any sense. And I look at this and it hurts my brain a little bit and I'm like, what's the deal there? How, how is that more? And I want to understand it. I want to know how does this have more than that and what's going on there? And, and so really what, what we're doing in this whole series is figuring out how do we look at what's in front of us and see it clearer. But we're not talking about pizza. We're talking about God. And, and so the question that we're asking throughout this entire series is where is God? I'm so glad that you're here today. We are in this Grounded series and I wanna welcome you if you're watching or listening online or through a podcast or at one of our campuses. We're so glad you're here. My name is Jeremy, I'm the lead pastor here and, and we are excited to wrestle with this question together. And in fact, I got a comment uh, card this week that someone said, I literally asked this question in the parking lot. And it's like, this is such a, a, an important question, whether or not you have been a Christian as long as you can remember, or if you are new to this whole church thing, we're so glad you're here wherever you are on the spectrum. But we're wrestling with this question together. Now we're basing this series on an argument that the Apostle Paul made in Colossians chapter one. Here's his statement. But you need to remain well-established and rooted in faith and not shift away from the hope given in the good news that you have heard. This message has been preached throughout all creation under heaven. Paul says that when you see the good news throughout God's creation, it will ground you, it will have you with roots in your faith. So that when you have that moment where you think God's not here anymore, you have a foundation to build upon to go, wait a minute, wait a minute. I, I think God is here and you can challenge that idea. And we began the series last week talking about the sky, and I made the argument that the more you expect God to be out there, the less you experience him here. And we tried something last week and uh, we gave you guys the opportunity to ask questions and said, hey, uh, if there's something about this message that you wanna ask, uh, go ahead and do that and uh, gave you a tool to do that with. And a number of you did that. I went online on Wednesday and I responded to five of the questions that were uh, such great questions and explored them a little bit. And we posted that on our Facebook uh, in case you had a chance to watch that or, or wanna go watch that, you can follow up with that. And, and that was such an incredible experience uh, because so much of preaching is me, you know, prayerfully discerning God 
what passage should we talk about this week and what idea should we focus on? And, and it's me guessing through the presence of God going, all right, is it this way or this way? And, and usually I'm editing out far more than, than I, I can just for the sake of time. But through the questions, I can figure out what, where is this hitting you guys? What do you wanna wrestle with? And, and what questions uniquely do you have in, in your life experience right now? And so I'm gonna encourage you, we're gonna do that again today with this one. And so uh, if you go uh, on, a, on any browsers, you can do this on a phone, you can do it on a computer. Uh, but you go to Slido with a period in the middle, uh, and then it's just gonna ask you for an event code. You write the word grounded and you're there. And there's no, nothing you gotta download. It's very easy. You can do this uh, on, on, again, on a computer or on a phone. You can do it right now if you want, wherever you are watching it. Uh, we encourage you, write down some questions, submit questions that you go, hey, well, how does this, you know, uh, how does this affect this? Or how do I uh, process this a little bit deeper? You can also go on, even if you don't wanna ask a question, you can vote uh, for the questions that you like and encourage those questions to get shot up to the top. And, uh, and again, I'll take all that consideration and then I'll follow up this week sometime as we dive into those questions together. So I encourage you to do that. Well, if you've got your journals, uh, hopefully you do. We're in week two, and, and again, we create these journals so that you keep it through the entire series, bring it back with you every week, and then you have a tool to reference back and go, oh, I remember what I was learning. I remember what, what God was teaching me through that. And I encourage you to use this in your own study time throughout the week. Uh, if you're in a life group, hopefully you are. I encourage you to bring this to life group, and, and we've designed this to be uh, something that can incorporate all those different aspects. But we're gonna be in week two of that. Today, I'm very excited. Today, we're gonna look at fire. You have any fans of fire? Okay, just me. All right, I cannot wait to share something that I'm excited about that none of you are evidently, uh, but we're gonna talk about fire and uh, we're gonna see some cool things. Now, I began last week saying that uh, because of the creative nature of this series, uh, I'm gonna read a poem each week that gets our imaginations going. And today's poem is, is such a favorite of mine, I literally have this mounted in my office uh, because I love the imagery of this poem. This is called The Blessing at the Burning Bush by Jan Richardson. Here's what it says. You will have to decide if you want this. Want the blessing that comes to you on an ordinary day when you are minding your own path bent on the task before you that you have done a hundred times a thousand. You will have to choose for yourself whether you will attend to the signs, whether you will open your eyes to the searing light, the heat, whether you will open your ears, your heart to the voice that knows your name, that tells you this place where you stand, this ground so familiar and therefore unregarded is in fact holy. You will have to discern whether you have defenses enough to rebuff the call, excuses sufficient to withstand the pull of what blazes before you, whether you will hide your face, will turn away back toward what exactly? No path from here could ever be ordinary again, could ever become unstrange to you whose seeing has been scorched beyond all salving. You will know your path, not by how it shines before you, but by how it burns within you, leaving you whole as you go from here, blazing with your inarticulate, your inescapable yes. Let's pray together. God, would you help us find you in the fire today? As we seek to be grounded in our experiences with you, that we would have a deeper understanding, a deeper relationship, a deeper connection with you. Would you allow us to see you in creation, in particular in the fire, in ways that we've never seen you before? And may we know you more fully as a result. We pray this in Jesus' name, amen.
Well, if you brought your Bibles with you today, we're going to be in Exodus chapter 3. And so if you've got a physical Bible with you that's all the way to the beginning, go one book over at Genesis, then Exodus. Uh, we're going to be in Exodus chapter 3. And if you've got a Bible app on a phone, I encourage you to get that out. If you're a regular with us, we want you every single week, bring a Bible. This is important. I want to encourage you, bring a Bible, read it for yourself. So it's not just you listening, but you experiencing it with us as we dive into the Bible and see what these biblical writers say to us together. Now, as you're turning there, I want to begin with a little science today to, to show you one of the many reasons why I think fire is so incredible. But even if you break this down scientifically, it is truly remarkable when you consider what we're going to study. So hang with me. I want to show you something. This is, this is fascinating, but it's going to make your head hurt a little bit. All right. Four parts. Part one. Trees derive their energy from trapped solar rays, okay, which is light and heat. Part two. In photosynthesis, sunlight and heat make chemical energy in wood. Now, some of you are like, whoa, there's a word I haven't heard since elementary school, right? Okay, so going back, you remember you heard this probably a long, long, long time ago. Part three, a fire uses this chemical energy to produce light and heat. Therefore, a bonfire is basically a tree running in reverse. <laughs> right, you're like, wait, what? Just take a picture of this, stare at it. It'll make sense. Read through the steps later. This is, there's something amazing happening with fire. And when you scientifically break it down, you're like, whoa, that's pretty cool. But you don't have to get into the science to understand this is cool. I don't know about you. I could just stare at a fire like forever. Like I could just keep looking at it. It is mesmerizing to me. And so I couldn't do a message on fire without sharing the same feeling that I get when I stare into a fire. So I, I was looking at different fire videos and I was like, what's the right video to capture, you know, the, the awe that I have of fire? And I thought, how about a slow-mo video of a flamethrower? <laughs> Anybody? <laughs> so that's what you're gonna get today. I wanna show you, it's not long, but I wanna show you how mesmerizing fire can be when you just watch it up close. Check this out. I uh, showed that video at our Thursday night service and afterward, my wife Michelle goes, that video's too long. She's like, you gotta, you gotta shorten that video, that's way too long. And I was like, really? And then I had a couple of my friends who were guys, they're like, oh, we were so disappointed when you started talking again. We just wanted that video to keep on going. So I don't know if it's like a male, female thing, I don't understand it, but I am just mesmerized by watching fire. Now, think about fire, we understand this. Fire can be both good and, and bad, and there's certainly a, a, a healthy fear that, that we should have of fire. I mean, fire can destroy property, can destroy homes. You know, I, I think about recently the Gorge Fire. I mean, we understand the, the, the power and the damaging effects that fire can have. In fact, many people carry the scars of a burn with them their whole life. And we go, yeah, there's, there's certainly that element to fire. But we also know that fire can be incredibly beneficial. And, and many of us use fire in a variety of ways. You might use fire for heat or maybe for cooking or maybe just for ambiance. Uh, just for fun, wherever you're at, uh, a show of hands. How many of you have ever put a fire, like Yule log on your TV? Just right, come on, own it. Raise your hand, right? Have you ever thought about this? Why do we do this? What's, what's happening here? Why, why, why are we doing this? I mean, it's like, whew, feel that warmth from here, whoa. This accomplishes nothing. 
No, 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 it makes me feel good. Makes me, ooh, I, I like the feeling of that. I mean, have you ever thought about how funny this is that we, we put this on our TVs, we're like, yeah, I have a fireplace. This is not fire. And yet there's something about it that makes us feel good. But you know what this shows us is that the kind of fire that we like are the fires that you can control. That's when fire is comfortable for us. When I can turn this off and on, then I, oh, I, like, I like that kind of fire. When it stays put, when it, when it only burns where I tell it to burn, when it only goes when I want it to go, that's the kind of fire that we like. But as I was thinking about this, you know what I realized? That fire is more of an event than a thing. I mean, that's why it's mesmerizing to watch. And, and that's why the flamethrower video, it's so powerful because you're watching fire move. It's an event. It's something that is happening. You don't watch the same flame over and over and over again. It's constantly adapting. If you put more fuel on the fire, it will grow. If you put nothing on it, it will diminish. There's something happening. You're watching an event. Think about a tree running in reverse, right? There is movement there. And yet the same thing is true about God. And this is where fire begins to help us because fire reminds us that God is always in motion. Now, depending on how long you've followed God, uh, this is easy to forget. Because if you followed God for your whole life, you can begin to think of God as a thing. God is something you read about, you study him, you talk about him, you visit him at church, you, you pray to him when you need something, right? And all of a sudden, it's not about God in motion, it's about I'll go and visit God, that's where God is, I'll go to him when I want him. And we can easily think of God as static. And, and then I think if you uh, really dive into the imagery we're gonna see today, you realize that this is about God being in motion. And this is a good reminder for all of us. Now, if you're with me in, in Exodus chapter three, I wanna look at uh, verse one. And we're gonna look at a story where, uh, even if you're not that familiar with the Bible, you may be familiar with this story. It's, a, it's a, an iconic moment uh, that often gets talked about in the Old Testament with a guy named Moses. And Moses is going to meet God and we're gonna see how it involves fire. Exodus chapter three, beginning in verse one. Now Moses was tending the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian. And he led the flock to the far side of the wilderness and he came back to Horeb, the mountain of God. There, the angel of the Lord appeared to him in flames of fire. Have you ever thought, just stopped and considered that? God can appear to Moses in any form he wants. And what does he choose? Flames of fire. He, he, he appears to him uh, from within a bush. Now Moses saw that though the bush was on fire, it did not burn up. So Moses thought, I will go over and I will see this strange sight. Why the bush does not burn up. And the, when the Lord saw that he had gone over to look. God called to him from within the bush, Moses, Moses. And Moses said, here I am. Do not come any closer, God said. Take off your sandals for the place where you are standing is holy ground. Now this is again a, a well-known story. Uh, you see it depicted in movies. Uh, this is the, the, the poem that I read it was about this encounter. And there's something so simple and yet also profound happening here. Now, Moses is not looking for God at this point in the story. Moses is running from God. He meets God in the wilderness. He thought of God as in Egypt. That's where God was. He fled Egypt, fled from what he thought his ministry was, his, his purpose was. He was like, I'm gonna go and live out my final days in the wilderness. He is fleeing from God and God finds him. Now, coincidentally, the reason why many of us 
don't see God, don't know where God is, it's because we don't want to find him. Now, we don't often acknowledge this, but some of us are running from God. I don't know where God is. You ask this question, I don't know where he is. Well, it's, it's often hard to discern where he is and when your back is turned because you're running away from whatever you think he's doing. And, and yet, even in the midst of that, sometimes God pursues us in the midst of our run. And so here Moses is trying to get away from God, doesn't want anything else to do with God, thinks he's done, and God pursues him in a burning bush. Now, in, in that you know, day, it wouldn't be super uncommon for a bush to be on fire. They're living in the middle of the wilderness. This, this could happen. And, and so I suspect that Moses was walking along and, and he sees this bush on fire and, and he goes, oh yeah, I've seen that before. And his temptation is just to keep on walking. But he stops just a moment longer and he notices that that bush looks different. That fire looks different. I, I've seen this before, but there's something about this one that looks a little bit strange. And even in the text, it says that, that when Moses goes to look, that's when God speaks to him. See, Moses had to just stare a little bit longer than he normally would have. And oftentimes, that's how we miss God today. See, God could be doing something in your life right now, and you're like, oh, I've seen it before. I know what that is. And you just keep on moving. And sometimes all it takes is just stare a little bit longer at, at what's going on. And, and maybe then you'll begin to see what God is up to. So Moses has this very normal encounter. Oh, I've seen a bush on fire before. And then he just stares. And I imagine the longer Moses stared at this bush, the more it unnerved him. What is going on? Why is this bush not burning? And so he's trying to make sense out of what his eyes are seeing, but his brain can't keep up going, why is this happening? What kind of a fire burns like this without burning up the bush? He can't make sense out of it. And he meets God. God is the kind of fire that can burn like that. Now, it's not a one-time thing when, when you go, oh, that was just one weird day that God had and God decided to do that. You actually see God do this again with Moses. You fast forward in the story and Moses is now leading the Israelites and, and God is leading them and telling them where to go. And, and how does God decide to do that? Well, notice what it says in Exodus 13, verse 21. By day, the Lord went ahead of them in a pillar of cloud to guide them on their way. And by night in a pillar of fire to give them light so that they could travel by day or by night. Can you imagine seeing this? A pillar of fire, not just any pillar of fire, that's God. Like you come out of your tent at night, you're like, oh, look at the full moon. Whoa, there's God. Like this giant pillar of fire. It's the presence of God. But notice, what was this pillar for? It's not for ambiance. It's not for cooking. It's not for warmth. It's for motion. This, this pillar is telling them where to travel, how to do it, where to go, what is God up to? They didn't just go and visit it, it was leading them, and that's how God worked. Now, it doesn't mean they got it all figured out. If you read that story, uh, this whole generation is gonna die off and, and more than 40 years are gonna be wasted wandering in the wilderness, even after God had revealed himself to them. One of the questions this week was, uh, why doesn't God reveal himself more to us? Well, why does he make it more obvious? Well, the answer to that partly is like, God does a lot of revealing. And even then there's no guarantee we're gonna respond. God had revealed himself in this way. And we go, oh, if I could see that, then I would have responded to God. But the Israelites saw that and it wasn't enough for them to trust God. Even after God had revealed himself that much. 
Now, again, this isn't a story just relegated to Moses, though. That there's other examples where God shows up in the middle of the fire. Another one that I think is, is really pr- profound is, is in the, the book of Daniel. In the book of Daniel, you have a number of Israelites that get deported. And they're under the, the reign of a foreign king. And this is like the worst of the worst. Like, oh, man, we're not in control anymore. We have to serve this other king, and he's wicked and all this. And, and then the king, uh, to make things even worse, says, all right, here's the deal. I want to make a giant statue of myself, and you will have to worship it. And now a number of these guys are, are Israelites. They, they serve the God of the Bible. They're going, we serve Yahweh. We can't, we can't worship. We can't bow down to your God. And so in particular, there's these three guys named Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And these guys are like, Nebuchadnezzar, we can't do it. We can't bow down. And he goes, oh, really? Well, let me show you what happens to people who don't bend the knee to me. Now, this is very common with kings and rulers who expect everybody to follow the, the game the way they want to play the game. And so he says, here's the deal. I'm going to burn you in my furnace. And so he's got this furnace for that purpose, evidently, and he, he gets it extra hot that day, and he goes, I'm gonna make an example of you three, and I'm gonna burn you and show you the power that I have, and he decides he's gonna use fire to show his power. And so he orders the furnace extra hot, and the guys, the guards that are throwing these three in, they all die because it's so hot just to get near the fire to throw them in. And, and you know, Nebuchadnezzar is ready to, to celebrate his victory. Watch them burn, show you my power. But if you read the story, something bizarre happens. Daniel chapter three, verse 24. Then King Nebuchadnezzar leaped to his feet in amazement. And he asked his advisors, weren't there three men that we tied up and threw into the fire? They replied, certainly, your majesty. He said, look, I see four men walking around in the fire, unbound and unharmed, and the fourth looks like a son of the gods. This is so amazing. He's like, well, watch them burn. All of a sudden he's like, wait a minute, you guys see what I see? Um, how many guys did we throw in there? It's like three, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And he's like, why do I see four and why are they walking around? I mean, can you imagine how unnerving this would be to the king who thought he had all power, all control? And I love this. This is, again, if you ever wonder, who's the fourth? It's Jesus. You wonder, like, who who is that? Jesus doesn't just show up in the New Testament. Like, he's always around. This is Jesus walking around. And where does Jesus meet them? In the fire. Now, here's what I love about this. They're not bound and they're like, oh, please let us out. They're like, whoa, check this out. You know, it's like the Fantastic Four, the flame guy, you know, he's like, oh, my hands are on fire. This is amazing. And I imagine they're just like, whoo, Shadrach, you see this? You know, walking around, enjoying this. And it's like, oh, Jesus, what's up, man? This is incredible. They're all walking around. And then the best part of the story, Nebuchadnezzar can't get them out. It's too hot. So he's like, hey, guys, guys, come on out. I want to talk to you. He can't even get to them because of the fire. See, God is like this great reversal, like, oh, Nebuchadnezzar, you're, you're cute. You think that you're going to make your point with fire? I'm going to make my point with fire. I'm going to show you who really is God. And God meets them in the fire. Now, you might think, all right, cool. That's a, that's a great image uh, for the Old Testament. You know, things like that just don't happen anymore. Those are just fantastic stories. Well, actually, you see the same image carried through into the New Testament. There's this guy named John the Baptist early in the the story of the Gospels. And and John the Baptist's job is to tell everybody that Jesus is coming. Hey, I'm going to get you ready. That there's someone else coming. And I want you to notice what John says in Luke chapter 3, verse 15. 
The people were waiting expectantly and were all wondering in their hearts if John might possibly be the Messiah, because John was pretty amazing. But John answered them all, I baptize you with water, but one who is more powerful than I will come, the straps of whose sandals I am not worthy to untie. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. Now we read this today and we're like, I don't know what that means. Keep reading. You know, like who, who here was baptized by fire? That you, you literally got into some fire tank, came out on flame. You're like, check it out. But we don't, we're like, I don't know what that means. But essentially what John is saying is like, look guys, whoa, 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 slow down. Yeah, I'm baptizing you. That's why I got my nickname, the Baptist, you know, John the Baptist. Uh, but here's the deal. This is just like, just like for repentance. And essentially what he's saying is all I have is water. That's all I got. Like, don't, don't, you know, put more weight in this. All I have is water, but one is coming. His name's Jesus. And he's gonna baptize you with water and fire. And everyone's like, whoa. And this would have been a cue to them to go back to go, where do you see fire in our story? And go, oh, like, like the very presence of God. Like, like he's going to baptize in such a way that, that it's not just a water baptism, it's not just for repentance, but, but the, the, the presence of God will be somehow involved. And that's the point. He's going, yeah, yeah, God is going to meet us here. And the way, the, the imagery that they use is through fire. If you keep reading, this literally happens. And a lot of times we just don't connect these stories. You get to Acts chapter two. It's the story of the early church. And, and after Jesus has died, he's resurrected. Uh, he, he is, he is you know, done all that he's gonna do. He then tells them, look, I'm gonna go and send you someone. We're talking about the Holy Spirit, that I will be with you and you will have God's presence with you like you have never had it before. But watch the way this first kicks into motion. Acts chapter two, verse one. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly, a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. So how does God's Spirit all of a sudden kick into gear? Tongues of fire come down and rest on them. Now, I want you to imagine this, like, imagine this is just a church service, okay? You were there. How would you describe this church service? Oh, it was tame. Just, you know, preacher got up, preached a great sermon, sang some songs, went home, said, you know, shook hands. No, you'd be like, Joe, you would not believe what happened today. So I'm gonna, like, I'm church, like, fire's coming down, but it's not burning us. They're like, we don't know what's going on. You'd be like, whoa, 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 slow down. What happened? I mean, imagine trying to describe this to someone else. Oh, it was the craziest thing ever that all of a sudden God is with them now. And how does God visibly show that? With fire. I, I love that God is, is doing this. God shows up in the fire. Now at this point you might be going, okay, that's really cool. But like, that's not what God does anymore. Like God doesn't do this. And so that's just like a great message for how God used to work. What does this mean for us? Here's what I think. I think it's time to make room for God to do some weird stuff in our midst. Can I get an amen? amen? I think it's time for us to go, you know what? I think God still wants to do this. I think the God that shows up in the fire all throughout scripture is still the God that works like this, that maybe this same God wants to do the same thing today. But what are you convinced that God can't do? Oh, God, God doesn't do that. What are you convinced God won't do? 
Oh, maybe he, he could, but he, he won't. See, we get really good at, at creating these boundaries around God. Let me tell you what God can and cannot do. You know, as a pastor, I often get asked uh, to verify some weird encounter someone had with God. You know, hey, hey, pastor, it's all, this happened. Da, da, da. Do you think that's legit? Now, here's the deal. I love that the, they're asking the question because they're looking for someone else to, to give some feedback. And sometimes it's pretty obvious. No, that's outside of what God is. It doesn't work like that. But a lot of times, I have no idea. God doesn't you know, need me to verify his behavior. God can do whatever he wants. And so I'm like, yeah, maybe. I, I don't know. You know, I've had some crazy things said to me. And sometimes it's said in a snarky kind of way. Hey, pastor, can God make a rock so heavy that even he can't lift it? They're like, ha, gotcha. To which I say, yeah, God can do whatever he wants. And it always ticks them off. Because like, no, you don't get the question. I'm like, no, I do get the question. God can do whatever he wants. If God wants to build a rock like that, sure, I think God would do it. God can do whatever. He does not need my approval to figure out his boundaries. And yet this is where we get really uncomfortable. This is where, whoa, 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 whoa. But, but this gets really weird. Now, oftentimes we put our weirdness and then we call it God. That's not what I'm talking about here. I'm saying when God wants to do something bizarre, when God wants to do something weird, are we okay with that? Now, if you go back to scripture, there's this other moment that I think is, is helpful for us to figure out how we process this. That after Jesus dies on the cross, after he's resurrected, he comes back and he walks with his disciples. But the bizarre thing is they don't recognize him. Now, it's bizarre because they've just spent the last three years of their life following this guy around. They just watched him go to his death. They watched him get crucified. And now he's raised to life again. But evidently that was so traumatic or so bizarre or he looks a little bit different now, but they could not recognize him. And then they have this epiphany. They have this moment where they're like, wait a minute, that, that was Jesus. And I want you to know, uh, notice the way Luke describes the scene. Watch the, the words that he uses to describe this. This is Luke chapter 24. Then their eyes were opened, the disciples, and they recognized him. They recognized Jesus, and he disappeared from their sight. They asked each other, were not our hearts burning within us while he talked with us on the road and as he opened the scriptures to us? Were not our hearts burning? Was there something on fire inside of us that we didn't listen to? I love the imagery here. See, the reality is this is how God continues to show up in the fire. And the reality is many of you, maybe most of you right now have God burning something inside of you. And you're trying to decide, do you let it burn or do you push that down? I don't, I don't want that. I don't, I don't know what God's trying to get that back down. I don't know what God is up to right now. And we ask the same question. We're not our hearts burning Inside of us, was God trying to, to take us to another level? Was he trying to show us something we had never seen before? Was he trying to get us to experience something we had never experienced before, but we weren't paying attention? We weren't allowing that fire to burn. See, I believe the closer you get to Jesus, the more you'll feel the fire. And for some of us, that's an uncomfortable thought. Well, wait a minute. You mean the, the closer I get to Jesus, the more of this kind of burning I'm gonna feel, the more this crazy prodding I'm gonna have of, of like what's next and, and, and this, this uncomfortable feeling of I'm not in control. Yeah, the closer you get to Jesus, the more you're gonna feel the fire. It doesn't mean you'll always recognize God in your midst. The disciples didn't. It doesn't mean you'll always follow God perfectly. The Israelites didn't. 
what it will mean is that you'll begin to notice more and more that there is a fire burning inside you and you have a choice to make. Will you squelch that fire? Will you do all you can to put that out, to pretend like you don't see it, that you don't feel it, that there is no heat? Or will you let that fire burn? And go, all right, God, whatever you wanna do, I'm open to it. See, when it comes to fire, there's both an intrigue and a fear with it. There's an intrigue. We can watch a flamethrower video and go, wow, that's amazing how fire works. There's also a fear because we know that if out of control, fire can lead to destruction. I think the same thing is true of God. There, there's an intrigue there. Wow, I wonder, I wonder what God's like. I wonder what God wants to do. And there's a fear there. What would he do if I let him? If I just said yes to God, what kind of things would he do in my life? And we have so much fear when it comes to God. And so what we have is, is when that begins to burn inside of us, we go, no, 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 God, please don't burn. I don't know where you'll go next. And I, I hear this all the time, and it always ends up in these funny extremes. I don't know what God's doing. I, I think he might want me to move to Africa. What? Yeah, I know. If I give in, he's going to make me move to Africa. Well, m- maybe not. Or God's going to make me sell everything and, and be poor. Like, did he tell you that? No, I don't know. I just think he's going to tell me. Like, we have all these fears inside of us that I know for sure this is what God's going to ask me to do. And it's like, well, why don't you just see what he wants to do? Why don't you just ask him? Instead of being afraid of what might be, why don't you just let that fire burn and see what happens? What would God do in your life? Where would God take you? What kind of things would you begin to experience that you've never experienced before if you were to surrender to this fire? I love the way uh, Francesco Caparuso says it. Says the grooves we start out in often become the ruts we get stuck in. See, sometimes as you begin to experience God for the first time, you begin to find these new grooves like, oh, I experienced that. That was great. Oh, I like that. But if you've been a Christian for a while, you know that oftentimes you don't have the same feeling that you used to have. Oh, I used to be on fire for God. I was so pumped up. I don't feel that anymore. And God used to be amazing and he was doing things and, and you had this drive and this response and, and maybe you're going, yeah, I don't, I don't feel that fire anymore. Well, probably the grooves that you got going in have now become ruts. And so you're not learning new things, you're not experiencing more, you're just stuck. And how do you get out of a rut? You go off course. You begin to go, let's, let's go somewhere else. Let's start some new grooves. Let's see you do something new in my life, Jesus. Take me to, to something I've never done before. And the reality is you will not control it, you will not contain it, and you will not predict it. And yet that's the, the choice. And so instead, what we often do is an event can become a thing. I, I, I experienced it one time, let's normalize that, let's, let's control it so that it doesn't have to feel out of control. But I think God is burning inside of our hearts and going, hey, watch what I could do if you would just trust me. So let me close with this question. As you think about your view of God, is your God like this? Now, I know we don't want to admit that or say that, but just between you and God, if you think about the view of God you really have, is your God like this? He's, he's contained, he's controlled. You can turn it off and on. God never goes where you don't want him to go, never challenges you, never makes you uncomfortable, never gets you out of your opinions, never causes you to change your mind, just always reinforces, makes you feel good. 
Because if this is your God, it might give you great ambiance and make you feel good. It's not the real thing. There's no power in this. There's no real motion in this. It's already happened. And this is not what God is inviting us to experience. And yet sadly, so many Christians have this kind of a God and they're content with it. That's all I need, God. I'll visit you when I want. I'll turn you on when, I, when I'm getting a little bit down and you can make me feel good again. God's going, I, I'm, I'm burning something inside of you, a real fire. I, I'm causing you to ask deeper questions and you're gonna have to decide whether you want that. Like Moses, you have to decide if you're gonna keep on walking or if you'll stare a little bit longer. You'll look into the fire and you'll start asking some deeper questions going, is not my heart burning right now? Is not a fire burning inside of me of God calling me to something else? And once you've experienced that, there's no going back. And I pray as a church, wherever we are, that God would begin to burn and we would be responsive with open hands to go, God, do what you wanna do. Take us where you wanna take us. Challenge us where you wanna challenge us. We don't have to be in control of this fire. We surrender our lives to you and we get to embark like Moses, like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, like the early church in Acts chapter two. We get to embark on an unbelievable adventure of the weird thing God wants to do next. I pray we're a part of it. Let's pray together. Jesus, may we see you in the fire. May we realize that you are not able to be contained. You are not able to be controlled, that you are not interested in making us comfortable. But that if we're honest, there is something burning inside of us. And if we'll listen to that, if we'll be honest about that, we can invite you to begin to do something transforming work inside of us. To begin leading us into new territory, into new experiences, into a new journey. To open our eyes to see things we've never seen before. And it'll create a humility in us because we know we're not the ones in control. And yet we don't wanna have a fake fireplace view of you. We don't want a shallow replica of God that makes us feel comfortable. We want the real thing. And so God, it is our prayer as your people that you would ignite us, stir something inside of us. May we be bold and courageous and crazy enough to say yes to what you are doing inside of us and may you burn. And may you lead us and prompt us and move us. And may we see that you are a God of motion, not a God to be studied and examined, but a God to be experienced. And may we experience your goodness. We pray in Jesus' name. And all God's people said.